Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Katie Snevice today. Hello, Katie. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Good. It's snowing again in Denver. I'm kind of sick of it. I mean, I know that our friends up north will not have any sympathy for me whatsoever, but man, I just (laughs) want to be able to run on a sunny day with no ice underneath my feet. Oh, it's the little things in life, isn't it? It is. (laughs) (laughs) But we get to go see some sun and and go to a place where there's no snow. We are recording this a week early, but as people are listening to this, you and I will be together on Hilton Head Island for our retreat. I am so excited. I have to tell you that I wanted to go to Hilton Head since I was a little kid. Uh, No way. Yes. And I know that there's movies. I think it's not dirty dancing, but there was another eighties movie and I'll think of what it is, um, with Phoebe Kate, I believe was her name. Oh. And they, do you know which oh. one I'm talking about? No, but I loved Phoebe Kate so much from, from 17 magazine. <laughs> oh, it is of course not, you did. <laughs> it is not fast times at Richmond high. That was not set <laughs> on Hilton head. <laughs> it was not. And I don't even know how I pulled that name out of my, um, my brain. <laughs> and it, this movie very well could not have taken place in Hilton head, but I just imagined in my brain that it did. So uh-huh. I wanted to go there forever. So I'm so excited to finally <laughs> check it out. Oh my goodness. Well, we we cannot guarantee that uh Phoebe Cates will be there. Um so but uh but about 75 80 of us mother runners will be there. And so there there will not be running on snow and ice. They'll be running on sand, hard packed sand at low tide on a super wide beach that is just as flat as a tabletop with dolphins right off the coast. I mean, so close, you just can't, it's just like, wait a minute, how are they even still in the water? But Katie, are you going to have 13.1 miles to look for dolphins? I mean, I'm heading, I'm just hanging my head in shame right now. Um, Yes, I believe I will have 13 miles in me. It's, it's pretty sad. I run regularly. So I run four to five days a week, but I just have not been able to get to the mileage that I should be. Dimity would Uh be slapping my hand right now if she heard how much I've fallen off my training plan. However, I think with the energy from all the bammers, I'm really hoping for sea level will help me a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the beautiful you know, view that it'll get me through 13 miles. And if I have to walk a little bit, I have to walk a little bit, right? Yeah, guess what's the what's the longest run you've done lately? Sarah. <laughs> um, well, I ran six and a half miles this morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I just swallowed some saliva and uh, <laughs> bit my cheeks. So <laughs> yeah, that's not half marathon ready, but <laughs> I know, I know it is it is it, it I should really be fired as the marketing director at AMR because I've not been following the plan as I should. However, I do have a a decent excuse. We have been skiing a lot this winter and it's hard to do. Um, I mean, it's just hard to fit it all in. I know that these are, you know, there are a lot of really we should make a whole business about that. We should do a whole business that caters to people who have trouble fitting it all in. Oh my gosh. I know. Again, I'm gonna be fired. HR is gonna call me after I get off this call, but um I'll put on my HR hat, swap out the podcasting hat. I know you secretly really like that part of your job. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so we'll, that's been my excuse, but you know, it's, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll just see how it goes. What, how about you? Have you been, I mean, I know you just started training for Missoula, so you're full, which yes. is awesome, but, but what are your plans for Hilton Head? So I'm, I'm registered for the half marathon, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the weekend before last, we uh, were in Rancho La Puerta, so I was not running long there. Mm -hmm. And then um, why? what was my weekend? Something was going on with my weekend that I didn't go for. Oh, oh, I was training. I was training. That's what I was doing. I was like, <laughs> wait, why did Molly and I not run longer? It's because, you know, on the 20-week heart and soul program, which they all are 20 weeks, for me, it was really a step back, you know, to do that now I'm supposed to do, you know, 40 minute weekday runs. I'm like, well, usually I run for an hour. So, right. um, so, you know, dialing back a little bit. So then I guess Monday morning, I'm like, wait a minute, that's two weekends without a, I mean, I was at around eight to 10 miles every weekend, you know, for one long run and then a shorter run yeah. the next day. And I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not going to set me up for success for my 20 weeks. And with, I got to keep my eyes on the prize of the Missoula marathon, June 28th. Right. And just, I'm, I'm committing to the heart and soul program and, and about doing things to prevent injury and make sure I, cause right now I feel really good. I feel good. Like my feet feel really good. Just everything feels good. My ankles, everything. So I am going to keep that. So I think I'm going to downgrade to the quarter marathon. Um, well, that's good. That's very smart of you. Um, very mature of you. Something that I should probably do as well, but we'll see. Um, was it a, was it tough mentally for you to shift back like that? Because I, I think that that it in my nature would be well. I'm just going to skip ahead to. Oh, I definitely. Oh, I definitely thought that. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, please. If it if I wasn't, you know you know, duo head honcho of this company, I would totally, <laughs> totally do that. Be like, yeah, I'm, I'll just jump in, you know, uh, once they, once we get on the same level, you know, then I would just start it. But no, I'm taking it very, I'm, I'm a, I take training plans very seriously. Yes, you do. Uh, yes. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, this, you know, this morning I walked for five minutes and did some little drills as I walked and then started my 45 minute run with five, 12 second strides in it. And, um, I did decide though, this where I am, I run that I would like to, do you, do you all do next door very much in Denver? Um, I mean, use... until I can't stand it anymore because the oh. people are so crazy. <laughs> oh yes, they are. Oh, yes, they goodness. are. Alex is smiling and nodding to that one. Oh, so, so this morning I thought I might put a post on next door that says I'm training by heart rate. That's why I'm, no. <laughs> I'm not going my usual pace. And I'm totally joking, but I just, you know, that, that now it's getting a little bit lighter toward the end of my run so that people can actually see me. And I was, as I was heading on my, the final block, I'm like, Oh my, all those people must be like, Hey, what, why is Sarah going so much slower than usual? <laughs> what happened to her this weekend? Right. Sarah's really aging quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what does your BRF think about this? Like, does she roll with you know, well, Molly, Molly's training for Missoula half marathon via Perfect. heart and soul. Perfect. So yes. So, um, there are some discrepancies obviously between the two plans, but by and large, and her heart rate is, um, higher than mine is. So it's a little tough to both get on the same page, but right now we're not doing all our runs we're, maybe we're doing maybe one or two more a week solo than we typically would. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that could be a whole podcast because one of my good friends that I run with a lot is doing a half Ironman this summer. And Ooh, so, yeah. so last year she trained with me for Chicago, the fall mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. although she didn't run a marathon. And so this year she's doing the half Ironman. Um, and so I'm kind of just running whatever she needs to run. Yeah. But it's yeah. Interesting to kind of determine how, if you have people that you run with consistently and you jump in and out of training plans or races, how do you kind of make it work? I mean, that the right. Iron Man really makes it tricky because I don't even know how she figures out that whole puzzle piece with her schedule because she's got three kids too. But it's it's an interesting topic. You know, you really it have is. to be able to be flexible and yes, it, it depends yes. on how much you really want to spend the time with that person, right? Like for me, that matters more than my mind. Oh, yes, definitely. And, and mm-hmm. typically Molly and I have one of us will be training for a race and the other kind of just goes along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Uh, One year when I was training for Boston, Molly did a marathon here in Oregon, maybe the weekend before or two weeks before. So we were pretty well meshed for that one. And yeah, that is, it's a good podcast topic idea. Like you said, Katie. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Maybe I'll get picked to to co-host that one. idea. (laughs) If you're not fired by then, sure. I know. Darn it. Forgot about that. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of podcast topics today, we are going to be talking about um, food somewhat because today's guest is Charlie Watson, a registered dietitian and marathon runner with a new cookbook out called cook, eat, run, cook fast, boost performance with over 75 ultimate recipes for runners. Charlie is a Brit, so she gets bonus points for the accent. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll want to have a listen. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us from across the pond, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it looks like you've been stateside, though, for a bunch of book events here in the United States. I'm coming stateside for some events. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have been yeah, I'm in the States, I feel like quite often. I love it. Love it over there. <laughs> we love having you over here. Um, so tell us a little bit about your running background. How did you get started as a runner? I sort of accidentally, I, um, I signed up for the London Marathon and <laughs> had no idea how far it was. Um, I just knew that it was a really long way and it was a really big deal. And I wanted to do it in memory of one of my friends, raise some money for charity and do something. Um, I was dealing with quite a lot of grief at the time. So do something positive with that energy. Um, and I, it actually, it took me until I'd maybe done like three marathon, marathons before I was like, I'm a runner. But um, mm. yeah, that was how my running journey started. Hmm. All right. All right. So you are a six star finisher, which I'd never heard that term before for oh, yeah. um, some, for someone who completes all the world marathon majors. So I loved learning yeah. a new, new term. So talk to us about that. That's uh, very exciting. You went from not knowing how far the London marathon is, which is one of those major marathons to, <laughs> to, to doing yeah. all, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So another kind of semi accidental um, journey. I, yeah, I did London and then a friend and I did the New York Marathon um, about 18 months later. And then we were like, oh, well, we've done two of them now. And she'd actually done, she'd done Berlin and I'd done London. And we were like, oh, this would be quite cool, you know, something to work towards. And mm-hmm. luckily this was maybe six years ago. So it was a little bit easier to get into mm-hmm. some of them. So um, it was before it became almost impossible to get into um 
Berlin and Chicago and so yeah I got in through the ballots to those mm-hmm. um and then ran yeah Boston and Tokyo with brand sponsors which I was very grateful for um, oh, gotcha. but it's gotcha. yeah it's been an amazing amazing way of seeing the world my um my husband told me on one very wet, miserable day in <laughs> Richmond Park in London, that he was never coming to watch me do a 10K again because it was just so awful. And he was only coming to international marathons. And I was like, game on. We are traveling the world with my hobby then. <laughs> and I have to say, I, I Instagram stalked you and you have traveled to some really fabulous international locations. So what are some of your favorite exotic locales to run? Um. One of my favorite places is New Zealand Mm. and I'm so lucky that I've been able to travel there quite a few times in the last few years. My family, I've got family living out there and then I've got friends that have decided to get married out there. And Mm. so I've been there and run there quite a few times. Never, never done an actual race because I signed up for a half marathon. It was actually last March and um, pretty much all of our races in the UK are on Sundays. So I just assumed it was a Sunday, got up, had my breakfast, made my parents drive me an hour because I don't have any, I'm not insured on their cars <laughs> there. And um, the race is on Saturday. Oops. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. so then I made my poor mother cycle next to me for 20 miles because I hadn't brought like anything to carry fuel or, you know, water with me for that distance. Because I was like, oh, I'm doing a race, it'll be fine. Um <laughs> So yeah, New Zealand and then Hawaii. I went on my honeymoon to Hawaii and that was just incredible. Yeah. Which island did you go to in Hawaii? We went to Oahu and Maui. It's just so gorgeous. Whenever I think of on a cold, dreary day, I think of Hawaii and those beaches. I mean, there's nothing like it in the world. It was just incredible. For us, it's a really, really long way to travel. Yes, it is. Having quite a lot of time off over for our honeymoon was like the only way I could convince my husband. I was like, right, we're doing this really long trip. It's going to be worth it. And now he's like, yeah, I see why everyone's obsessed with Hawaii. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful, but it is, it is remote and tough to get to, which Mm. probably is part of the appeal. Um, Yeah. Well, we're obviously talking to you about today about your um, new book, which I am in love with your cookbook. Cook, Eat, Run is fabulous. Um, I'd love to know, you know, what kind of sparked your interest in food and kind of, and what is your path to becoming a registered dietitian? How did you, how did you decide to do that? Yeah. So I've actually always had a love of food and um, I was given my first cookbook. Um, I don't know whether you guys have Jamie Oliver over there. Yeah. Um, Mm Yeah. But he, yeah, so he was the naked chef and the coolest, you know, coolest thing ever when I was like 11. So I was given his recipe book and um, for my 11th birthday and have cooked from it and, um, you know, had recipe magazines. And I lived in a house full of six boys at university and cooked for them. Mm. And uh, when I left university, I wanted to work in magazines because I thought it would be super glamorous and actually realized I'm so not fashionable enough to work in any sort of magazine except for cookery magazines. <laughs> so I started interning at cookery magazines and got a, got a job at Good Housekeeping in the UK as their cookery assistant. Um, I think it was 2010. And so I worked there for about three and a half years cooking eating a lot which is also linked to my why I had to start running and um, while I was there I found a real disconnect between what we were saying on our on our health pages and the recipes that we were writing we would do sort of 
two features a year on like healthy eating but I didn't feel like there was enough advice around like this is a kind of a spe- you know this should be looked at as a special meal this is not a weeknight supper with a thousand calories kind of thing mm-hmm. and just I found so much misinformation online when I was looking for more dietary advice for my ma- you know to fuel my marathon and around it because I put on weight during my first marathon cycle which is another story um and so that sparked my interest in nutrition and going beyond this I guess influencer space where everybody had um kind of dubious credentials Mm -hmm. and wanting to have the you know this is what this is the evidence-based um advice this is the science this is what in the UK the NHS advises um Mm -hmm which led me onto the path to become a dietitian. Well, I um, nodded along when you said that you put on weight during your first marathon, because I definitely did too. And it is, I mean, I, I should have known better going into it. Yes, but it's just every, I stopped looking at the scale after a while and I'm not normally obsessed with it, but it is so frustrating because there's, you know, you think you're running 30 miles a week and you should, um, mm-hmm not be putting on weight, but that, again, that's another, a whole other podcast that we could cover. Um, do you work, you know, with your nutrition counseling as a dietitian, do you work mainly with runners or do you work with, you know, a variety of different people? No, I work, so I work in a hospital and, um, so I look after, um, mostly elderly patients and it's mostly trying to get them to eat more and Mm -hmm. give them supplements. And then I have a diabetes clinic as part of that a weight management, I help with a weight management clinic and then um, the acute medical unit, which is, could be literally people coming in with anything. Okay. Um, so it's very varied. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So as I understand it, your book sprung out of your award-winning blog, The Runner Beans, which, and I'm quoting here, uh, yeah. champions fad-free accessible well-being. That's from um, the book press release. So talk about your philosophy about steering clear of fads, because it seems like the world, the food world is full of fads. Yeah. Um, So this, I kind of think that the advice that I give to everybody is eat real food. I think it's hard to go wrong if you're eating food in its most natural form. Yes, maybe if it's mostly just chocolate, but ultimately (laughs) I don't think nutrition has to be difficult. And if it's a fad, it's usually quite complicated. There's, you know, there's the, I'm gonna use science in inverted commas behind it. And there's often a product that goes with it or a book that you have to buy. I mean, buy my book, please. But um, I mean, as in, (laughs) in terms of, you know, that there's, there's somebody that's benefiting from you having this, di- this, you know, being on this diet or following this regime. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think that we should be making nutrition simple, eat real foods, eat the amount of, you know, kind of calories and protein that you need per day to sustain your movement. So eating more on days that you're running potentially or weight, you know, if you're going to the gym, but it, it's not, I don't think it's hard once you kind of get ra- get your head around the fact that it's eating to nourish your body, really. Right. And I think that that is, that is a, such a good takeaway. It's just eating real food. Um, mm-hmm. How did you translate your blog into writing this book? That's a, quite a leap. And it seems like it's been a very successful one for you. 
Yes, because I actually didn't share a huge amount or haven't shared a huge amount of nutrition advice or recipes on my blog. Okay. Partly because I was so obsessed with this, I need to get my dietetics credentials before I'm willing to share nutrition advice. Um, but actually it was the publishers who reached out to me about two and a half years ago now, maybe a little bit less, who asked whether I'd be interested in writing a book. And that was actually before they realized that I had the good housekeeping experience, that I had a lot of experience writing recipes. And mm. so I worked with um, one of the publishers to come up with a kind of finalized idea for it. And it developed on the go. I, we, while we were writing recipes, we were, I had the idea of wanting to include some recipes from elite runners so that it feels like it's elevating our nutritional status. And also just to prove that they eat kind of the same way that we do. And that it, again, it's not, it's not difficult. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a process. It was definitely interesting testing and eating and retesting the 75 recipes in my kitchen. My poor husband has done a lot of washing up. My mom has done a lot of trips to the supermarket. We became like best friends with the grocery delivery people. Um, and, but ultimately I really loved it. Nice. Nice. So for, for me, one of the things that makes or break a cookbook is how it's organized. And I just love how you parceled yours out. Like I just feel if I pick up a cookbook and it's logical and speaks to me in its organization, then that's something I know I'm going to keep coming back to again and again. So, so talk about how you decided on the sections of your book and why they work well for runners in particular. Yeah. So I think that's actually harks back to my good housekeeping days where we would have to be super organized with, um, mm. what we were putting in each section of the magazine. So I started off by thinking about what are the typical questions that I get a lot? So what should I be eating for breakfast? What should I be eating after my run what what can I eat the night before I've got no time and so I just basically tried to almost answer those questions and split the book up in that in that mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. and then I I literally had post-it notes and I had different colored post-it notes for different sections and would mm -hmm. work out right okay we'll miss it I need a few more breakfast recipes or I need some more fish or uh, vegan or vegetarian or um red meat recipes and actually one thing I was really keen to do was to make sure that even the meat and the um you know the meat and the fish recipes had suggestions for how to make it a vegan or vegetarian friendly so almost about I think there's about 60 or 65 of the 75 recipes have vegan veggie suggestions or are vegan veggie friendly Excellent. Excellent. As the mother of three vegetarian children, I thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> one section in particular that will appeal to busy mother runners is 20 minute meals. Mm. So, so tell us your favorite recipe from that section, please. And share a few time saving tips with us. Sure. Um, so I think the fish tacos, the fast fish tacos are my favorite. Mm -hmm. They they were developed, I worked as a nanny while I was studying and I would cook for three kids four nights a week. And often I would be back, get, getting back from my placement and it would be late and we would be trying to do homework and I would have stuff to do. And it was just like, right, let's get something quick on the table with fussy children that I don't want this and I don't want the beans. And so this is like something that you, it, it comes together in a flash and then you can bring it to the table and it's a build your own so that if somebody doesn't like beans or somebody doesn't like sweet corn or cheese or whatever it is, they don't have to put it in. 
And it actually originally started out with um, using fish fingers in it. Mm -hmm. And then I upgraded it slightly for the adult palette, but still works great with fish fingers or with chicken. And it's just really versatile um, and makes a great packed lunch, like the leftovers the next day into a salad. Nice. Nice. I, I love good leftovers. Yeah. Right. That, that um, makes my day when I open up my refrigerator. I'm like, yes, that's oh, what lunch is going to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I like literally have to pre-portion my packed lunch the next day. Cause otherwise I'll just, especially if I'm like slightly bored or just a bit hungry, I will eat more than I need to for dinner. And then I'm like, Oh, I ate my lunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll like put it in a Tupperware in the fridge before I even eat, sit down for dinner. Oh, that's um, clever. I laugh at that because I have been guilty of, I have three um, girls and we are sitting down at dinner and I literally pull the food away from them when they're trying to get seconds. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't have that. That's going in your lunch tomorrow. That's my lunch tomorrow. Exactly. My husband can only have one, um, one serving because I think it's a crime. If you make, if you spend all this time, even if it's 20 minutes or 40 minutes making dinner to not have leftover this the next day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, my my pet peeve is when someone doesn't leave, like takes more, but doesn't leave a full portion oh, left. I'm oh. like, if you're that hungry, you eat the rest or you leave a full portion. Let's not leave, you know, a quarter of a chicken breast behind, please. Same. And, and I will say that my, it's really gone downhill in my house because I have, even if they've taken a bite from the chicken or the broccoli stir fry or something, I put it in the bowl for the next day too, if they haven't finished. Oh yeah. Is that bad? No, not at all. <laughs> um, so one thing you talked about when I flipped through the pages of the book, um, the recipes that you had in there, which you alluded to earlier from the elite runners, um, yeah. such as Dina Castor's pickled veggie sandwich and Lauren Fleshman's favorite loaded burger. How do you score all those eat like an elite recipes? Um, I had some very handy connections. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Hine from oh, I'll yeah. Have Another I love Lindsay. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, she's amazing. So she connected me with a bunch of people. And then um, Sarah Lesko at Wazel also connected oh, yeah. me with uh, Cara Goucher and Lauren. So yeah, nice. I'm really grateful for them. Um, I absolutely love the American running scene. It was kind of disappointing. Not like no British athletes got back to me when I asked no. for um, recipes. I don't know whether that's because I didn't have an introduction, but um, yeah, the Americans were really forthcoming with the recipes and really supportive. So, um, yeah, very grateful to them for that. Yay, yay Americans. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I love the inventiveness that you bring to your recipes, like the coronation chickpea salad, which, mm -hmm. I, um, uh, you talked about doing some, uh, vegetarian twists. I thought that was very clever. Um, and then, so genius to use it as a filling or topping on what you call jacket potatoes, which are similar <laughs> to baked potatoes stateside. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I Googled what's the difference between jacket potatoes and baked potatoes. Uh, so I don't know. Oh, nothing. Uh, I don't think. <laughs> so uh, talk a little bit about that recipe and um, I don't know, just kind of riff on it. Yeah. So it comes. So um, I don't know if you know the story of the coronation, coronation chicken. Um, comes from Queen Elizabeth's coronation in 1952. It was like a kind of um, a twist on a traditional chicken salad, I think, with an Indian spice twist. Mm. Um, my granny would know the actual origins, <laughs> but it's something that we've been we've had in the UK for 
you know, 60, 70 years and is very popular. So it's a kind of cheap version of making that. So it just uses curry paste um, rather than having to use a blend of spices and then uses chickpeas so you don't, or garbanzo beans, I guess, are they called there? Uh, either one. Either I or. think we use them yeah. uh, interchangeably, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, so, and just uses that as a filling, and then you've got um, some crunch from celery, and you've got some sweetness with some dried fruit, and it and it works well, yeah, as a jacket potato filling, in a uh-huh. sandwich, as a salad. I guess it's sort of like your curried chicken recipe, maybe. Um yeah but with a slight, slight twist. Yeah. 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 So, and you, you pausing over whether we call it chickpea or garbanzo, I noticed that there are some terms that may be a little different, but you tried to, you know, kind of walk the line and defining things like uh, courgette, right? Which is, isn't that eggplant? Yes. No. Uh, Courgette is zucchini. Zucchini, um, right, right, right. And, and then like you call it beetroots. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you call it beetroots instead of beet. And, yeah. Because uh, uh, at first I was going to talk about one of those and I'm like, well, I don't know where I find beetroots. And then I look a little closer. I'm like, oh, she's talking about beets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rockets. Isn't that a big one that you use, um, which is arugula? Rocket. Yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. um, my editors actually went through and added all the Americanisms in. And <laughs> some of them were like too much, like, um, cling film Uh, uh like saran wrap Uh uh-huh exactly and i was like do you think that we need to include this one i can't even remember what they have but some of them are i was like this feels like a lot having to having to explain them um but yeah and i'm also having the conversions in terms of yes Mm -hmm. grams and ounces and cups i Mm -hmm. definitely appreciate some of the person that took the time to do that because (laughs) i gave them it everything in grams so um yeah very grateful to them for that <laughs> but it's good you thought of a wider distribution than than you know in the uk so thank you we appreciate that yeah yes yeah. thank you for that yeah. we need, we need I just, all the help that we i don't understand how americans bake with cups like it's so like we, i you know i will put like 225 grams it's a really precise amount and then you're like yeah throw a cup of this in and a <laughs> quarter cup of this I'm like that's not precise enough for me (laughs) well I mean I think more recipes are going the way where they'll show both I mean I cook a ton of New York Times recipes and they will show particularly for baking they will show both of them but I'm like ah I am not going to give over more of my counter space to get a kitchen scale you know so that was what I was going to ask do you have to cook with a scale or do you have to use a scale Charlie when you're that's um, a really dumb American question, but when you're using grams versus cups. Um, yes. Um, okay. But I just have a really small one that's like smaller than a book and okay. it's an electric scale. But oh. then what actually was interesting writing the recipe book is that I realized how often I don't use a scale. And so I'd make the recipe and then be like, I didn't, I forgot to weigh everything. I just throw it in, you know, recipes that you make over and over again that you'll just do by eye. And mm-hmm. I would sit down and write everything down and measure everything to make sure that you know when somebody's doing the recipe at home they could follow it and same with oven temperatures I'm terrible with that and so I made somebody else check all of the oven temperatures just in case (laughs) because I kind of throw my oven on and then I look at it and um yeah having to write all that stuff down is was quite a challenge (laughs) <laughs> that reminds me of my um I have twins who are now 14 and they went to this farm camp when they were much younger and they came home with a um courgette and chocolate chip muffin a zucchini chocolate chip muffin recipe that they just adored and so they brought the recipe home and 
So there was no temperature, no time on the recipe anywhere. And I oh, said, gosh. I said, well, how do you guys know when to take these out? And they go, we take them out when they're done. And I'm like, yes. okay, that's not helping me any. And so then I go the next day to the farm and I realize that it is, you know, it's out in the middle of this field. Well, they're cooking all this stuff in a wood oven that's just kind of this domed thing out in this field. And I'm like, of course she doesn't know what temperature it yeah. is. It's because it's like a, over, you know, some wood that's been burning for three hours, Ma Ingalls. I mean, come on. <laughs> My rule of thumb is always 350 for 20 minutes. And then I check it again. So sensible. Yeah. I don't know if I should be a baker or not, but that's kind of what I go with. Um, one other thing I loved in your cookbook, Charlie, was the snack section. I mean, again, I have three younger girls and, it, you know, not an hour goes by without them asking for a snack. So, you know, as a runner and a dietitian, what are the elements of an ideal snack? And I love, you know, a recipe or two from your book, some of your favorites in your response, um, like peanut butter hummus. Yeah, I was mm. drooling that one. I love anything with peanut butter, but to oh, me you know, too. hummus was brilliant. So tell us a little bit about the snack section, please. Yeah. So I think in, in terms of a snack and any meal you're creating, looking to include the three macronutrients, so protein, carbs, and fat, they work really well together to give you um, some sustained energy. So they give you, if you have a combination, you'll get the sort of instant energy hit that you're looking for but then also the sustain so you're not going to be hopefully not like reaching for a snack again in 20 minutes time and I think mm -hmm. going back to what we were talking earlier about you know eating real food that's often in snacks that we buy you know the you know more artificial the crisp like the pack of Pringles that sort of thing not only do they not have the combination of this so that's why we can you know over almost overeat them but also the you know the chemicals are perfectly designed to make us go back to, you know over and over and over again because they don't don't tell us that we're full which I think mm -hmm. when we're thinking about snacks you want to yeah combine the three so that you um your body gets the signals that yep we're done we've 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 filled that craving because often with I find with snacks it's because we're a little bit hungry sometimes bored or stressed or um thirsty or t you know tired and that's what has us reaching for often snacks that are higher in sugar higher in fat higher in salt than those that we actually you know than what we actually need mm -hmm. so i've tried to combine that in most of the snacks in the recipe book so, so you know something as simple as the chocolate covered um fruit and nuts it's hits the chocolate craving which i get at four o'clock every day gives you a portion of fruit and it gives you some nuts to keep you know hunger at bay keep you a bit satiated with a portion of protein and then again the peanut butter hummus that which we just discussed you can dip pretty much anything into it i've i have dipped a chocolate biscuit into it and it still tastes pretty good because <laughs> i love chocolate and peanut butter together oh it's and... the best combination ever yeah <laughs> um but, you know, dipping some crudite into there, some pita bread or something um, is a great way of seeing you through that awkward phase of like from five till seven. For me, it's like 5 p.m. till like 7.30 when I eat dinner where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hungry because I'm leading up to dinner. I am definitely tired because I've been at work and I'm looking for kind of a quick fix. Um, so both of those are things that you can make ahead 
I actually keep the frozen, the um, chocolate covered nuts and fruit frozen in my freezer so that it's something that I can get after dinner if I want like a quick sugary treat with um, a cup of herbal tea or, you know, just kind of grabbing them rather than making a poor choice. I know that I've got something on hand that will um, satiate me. Oh, that's brilliant. Cause I like grab the chocolate chips or anything mm-hmm. I can find, um, you know, when I get really desperate cause I yeah. need something sweet later on at night. So what do you do during your shifts at the hospital? Do you just pack a lot of snacks so that it kind of, or, I mean, obviously you pack meals too, or what do you do to kind of not hit the vending machine or the oh, crisps at two did o'clock? You, did you see my Instagram story a few days ago? Because that's exactly what happened. I hit the vending oh, no. machine. Um, yeah, because <laughs> The um, the lift, the elevator doors open onto my floor with my office right in front of the vending machine. Oh, no. And when things are stressful, I am a stress eater. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this, I bring a lot of snacks. A lot of people bring stuff into our office, some healthy, mm-hmm. some not so healthy. Um, one of the ways I avoid it is I just I don't go back to the office in the morning. I just get hit, I'm at the wards from... Basically, I eat my breakfast at my desk and then I go to the wards and I don't come back until lunchtime so that I, I can't snack on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the afternoon, I try, I have fruit with me. I'll have um, some, I, I just quite like the mixture of dark chocolate and Brazil nuts. So even mm-hmm. if I haven't, you know, made anything, I'll just bring like some chocolate chips and some, um, some Brazil nuts with me. Mm-hmm. Or I have to say, yeah, sometimes I do hit the vending machine. People brought in, bring in cake and it's very hard to resist. So yeah, I don't, I don't try and stop myself from having anything. I'll just try and have the piece of fruit first so that if mm-hmm. I, that doesn't satisfy the sweet craving, or I still want the piece of cake, then I'll have a small portion of cake and just yeah. let myself be okay with it. All in moderation, right? Exactly. Exactly. And also if someone's handmade a cake, I'm not going to be like, no, sorry. I'm not going to have any of this. Like, <laughs> I can like take or leave the, you know, the chocolate bar or the shop bought versions, but homemade, I'm like, oh, this is so thoughtful. So I'm always going to pretty much always going to say yes. That so would just be rude if you said yeah. no. Right. Like, it's important exactly. to be polite. And then yes. new co-workers. <laughs> so I've got to be polite. Yes. Yes, of course. Oh, twist my arm. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw from your publicity schedule that you're going to be in Boston for the marathon. Are you going to be mm-hmm. running that again? Or what's your next race on the horizon? So I'm running the Manchester Marathon, which is the beginning of April in the UK. A very flat marathon. I'm running it. I've got a couple of friends on board. So yeah. And then I'll be in Boston for race weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully have a couple of events have some things in the pipeline. So yeah, it should be a great weekend. And um, yeah, I'm also going to Atlanta, which um, mm, yeah, this, this, I think this is like literally airing on the, d- the day before weekend. Yeah. Yes. The day, so, the day before the Olympic marathon trials. Perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching the trials in Atlanta with some friends. So that'll be a lot of fun. Oh, that's exciting. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever seen the trials? No, it's not a thing that we do in the UK. Like, they, they're oh. using London, the London Marathon this year as a sort of trial-ish, but mm-hmm. it's not the same as the American trials. And I'm quite heavily invested in American running, I feel like, because there's so many podcasts and the athletes in the US seem to be so good at promoting themselves on social media and telling us about their journeys that it's mm-hmm. it's very easy to kind of be swept along with with the excitement of it all. 
Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. I, so then how, I'm gonna go how are, go crazy. How <laughs> how are British marathon contenders chosen then? I like is it by committee or something? So I think they've got to run a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then they can also place within the marathon, but it's not just like, okay, top three go. There's a committee mm-hmm. that decides. So it can mm-hmm. be, you know, so that if somebody has a bad day on, mm-hmm. you know, at the London marathon, they can be decide they, they can be chosen based on prior performance. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, I think, I yeah, there's, there's, there's like a couple of girls that like are pretty, they're like these girls will definitely go. I'm not, and a couple of guys as well. But I think that it there's a few spaces that are up for contention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, j- just by sheer number, there's more, uh, you know, United States citizens who are contending for it. I mean, we, yeah. we have a much larger population, obviously, so, so <laughs> we need to have something. And you know, being the U.S., we have to have something very egalitarian and and uh, yes, you, you know, got to so, live the American dream that anyone yes. can get there. Yes, yes. Whereas Could in the you- UK, we're like, you need to prove to us over a three-year period that you'll be average on race day. Like literally, it's. I mean, we've got some incredible runners coming through, um, and it, it's definitely they're definitely getting there in terms of like their social media and their um, engagement with the running community. But I, I have mm-hmm. to say, you've got something an, an incredible amb- ambassadors for the running community in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it makes for yeah. an exciting scene being here. And just we were putting together our um, the ten year anniversary of another mother runner is in March, and so we were just. Um, trying to put together, we're putting together all these top 10 lists. And so one of the top 10 lists was uh, running celebrities we've met in real life. And oh my gosh, yeah. and to be like, oh, oh, well, who, who should we include? And oh my gosh, well, we left, you know, oh, we can't leave her out. Oh, what, you know, oh, or do, should, do we include men? Yes, uh, no, uh, you know, all this yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, you definitely was, need was, two lists, I think. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun yeah. list to juggle, but it was just like, oh, so many choices. It's amazing, isn't it? They, they, they pop up everywhere. I go, um, to the New York Roadrunners um, Run Hub, when mm-hmm. this sounds very, very um, a bit ridiculous, but I go to, get to go to New York quite a lot, and so every time I'm there, there's some celebrity runner, and mm-hmm. I saw Sarah Hall there in, I think it was November last year for the marathon, and I literally, I, I could barely speak. I was so excited to meet her, <laughs> and nice. she contributed a recipe, and I, and I happened to have one of my like advanced copy books with me that I just received and nice. I went up to him and I was like can you sign this I was so embarrassed and bright red and stuttering <laughs> and my friend who I went with had no idea who she was and I was just like she's amazing um so I feel like you know it's, it's a runner celebrity but maybe not a celebrity that everybody everybody knows and gets excited about right Nice, yeah, nice. just go along with me. Act like you know this person. Yeah. But I was like, can you go? And she was like, no, you need to go and ask. Stop being ridiculous. She obviously, that would be so weird if, if I, you know, like the old, oh, my friend fancies you. Like, oh, my friend likes you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, finally, we have to ask, what is your favorite pre-race or pre-long run dinner? I know it's a tough question, but if you had to pick, what would it be? Um, so my current go-to is white pasta, usually the bows, um, mm-hmm. with like a homemade tomato sauce and chicken mm-hmm. sausages. Bit random, mm-hmm. but I've it's tried and tested. Um, 
it's quick, it's easy, and you can make it. So we'll stay in Airbnbs when we're doing races abroad, and you can kind of get those ingredients or like at least chicken or chicken sausages everywhere. So it's been right. it's been quite successful so far. Well, that's nice. a good one. Delicious. Nice. I love that you were you specified that you like the bow shaped pastas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it becomes like a bit of a superstition that then you're like, well, I did well on this race and I had bow shaped pasta, so I should have it with this one. And you know, it's a silly, a silly thing, but um, yeah. Now, nice. now I've got to have it. Yes. Yes. Very good. All right. Well, really fun talking with you, Charlie, and good luck with your book and and all your visits over here in the States. Thank you so much. Speaking of fun, I, uh, as I mentioned, next month, March is our AMR's 10 year anniversary, and we are going to have a virtual 10 K race to celebrate. And we just announced it this week. Um, so please join us in celebrating. Uh, so it's a, vir- as I said, it's a virtual 10 K race. You can tackle the distance any way you like in one 10 K chunk two 5 K jaunts, whatever suits your style at any pace. We'll be covering the distance, the final weekend of our anniversary mo- month. That's March 27 to 29 run or walk wherever you are solo or with friends. There's no proof of participation necessary. Although we'd certainly love to see photos on social media tagged with hashtag AMR 10 for 10. We'll be spelling all this out in the listing for it, which, um, is on the mother runner is on motherrunnerstore.com. But Katie, fill them in on the amazing swag bag that all the participants will get. We are pretty excited about this. So you get a limited edition tea, um, which is, I will say, one of my most favorite AMR teas ever. It's really cute. Um, I may have something to do with designing <laughs> yes, it. <laughs> yes, because, because among the three of us, among the core team, <laughs> Dim and I were favoring another one, and you steered us very, ever so brilliantly over to your design. So oh, that gosh, was well what, played. What if no one likes it? That's another reason for my, for <laughs> yeah, my for firing, firing from AMR. Um, a commemorative medal, which is also super cool. Um, we all like medals, no matter what the distance is. So you can add that to your collection, a bib, uh, a packet of birthday cake goo, which we were excited to get from our friends at goo, Belega running socks. Cause you can never have too many. And then a cute sticker. So yep. it's a good yep. pack. Yep. It sure is. And, and like, uh, you know, kids soccer games today, everyone who participates wins mm-hmm. and we have only ordered 500 medals. So you got to hustle to sign up before we run out again, you can find all the details and register on motherrunnerstore.com. It will also be on anothermotherrunner.com. Yes, it too, will be. So. It will be. I bet it will be featured prominently, as a matter of fact. Yes, I'm sure uh. you'll hear it a variety of different ways from us. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. 